Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. How did you survive all the rain yesterday? Hopefully you didn't have too much uh, mopping up to do. I don't think it hit us as hard as it was supposed to. It seemed to be pulled back every hour as we went along, but still quite a bit of rain. And today, a high of 23 and sunny, 11 right now. It feels colder than 11, but uh, tomorrow, again, uh, maybe some showers, a risk of that. Friday looking nice. Saturday, risk of showers. Sunday, rain. Then it looks like, hopefully, maybe, starting early next week, the rain and all of this kind of chilliness is behind us as we start the week off next week at 25 and end in 27 and sunny by... Uh, yeah, this is a real mixed bag week. Yeah. Every day seems to be a little bit of a mixed bag, depending on you know what time. Like yesterday, we uh, headed out to uh, to Milton, right, mm-hmm. the Glen Cairn Golf Club for uh, an event uh, for Golf Canada and First Tee with David Faraday and the Faraday Classic. Yeah, uh, watch a little golf. I uh, tried to join Glen Cairn, but they wouldn't accept me. No, no, you uh, did not fit in no. at all. So I offered to pay double. <laughs> They said, no, we get off our grounds, they said. Yeah. Uh, But but even like a day, like, you know, pouring rain before we left and then just drizzle kind of through, got sunny in Scarborough at one point and Mm. then uh, dark clouds over Brampton, probably your old house. Always dark clouds over Brampton. And by the end of the day, it was sunny again. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, terrific. I had never been to, uh, to, to a golf tournament to walk and watch. It was a new experience, and it was uh, it was interesting and fun. It was quite enjoyable. Um, you had Curtis Joseph, you had Emmett Smith, you had uh, Ben Rosselsberger, and you had um, Pat, Pat Perez, Pat Perez, PGA Pro, and yeah. So the three uh, celebrities kind of played a, a scramble or a mm. shamble. They call it. you play your own ball in, but against Pat Perez in a skins game format. Yeah, interesting to watch Ben and Emmett and uh, and Curtis Joseph and Cujo, of course. Uh, and just how they they relate to the crowd, and, and Curtis, of course, uh, playing for the Leafs and hometown boy and all that. Um, he was he was quite uh, approachable when allowed. People, I saw him taking photos with the odd person here and there, and people would make comments, uh, uh, joke with him a bit. He'd look back and smile and and, and nod and comment back. Whereas uh, Ben and Emmett really just kind of kept to themselves. You hey, know? I, I had an interaction with Ben, if you don't recall. When I uh, when I yelled out, I, oh, right. he Good. was complaining about the the break, and I yelled out he was you know he, he was breaking to the wrong tower, and he looked and laughed, looked and smiled. That's and I, right. I think we're tight now. <clears throat> That's right. He, you exchanged phone numbers, right? Yeah. The only exchange I had with Emmett Smith was when I almost bumped into him. <laughs> <clears throat> There's a tight little walkway from one uh, green to the next tea box, and I, I'm just walking along, sipping my beer, hoping somebody will take a photo of me with my Michelob in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and all of a sudden, like, I just kind of feel a brush, and I look up, and there he is right there, and I stepped aside because I don't want trouble from an NFLer. Well, well I was going to say, you you were like many NFL defensive <laughs> linemen who just felt a brush yeah, going by just of from- Emmett Smith, a <laughs> Hall of Famer. Yeah. And lucky for you, he didn't actually put his shoulder into you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would have been done. I would have been in one of the bunkers. Um, now, one interesting fact, and you know how I am <laughs> with children uh, ben had his wife and his three kids there, right. daughter and two young boys. And at one point when they were doing this little opening ceremony thing, 
Ben's oldest son got to come up and swing a club. And they, look, they were good kids. They didn't, didn't seem to be causing any grief. But if I was the other golfers, I would have been like, really? Really? I got to spend the next 48 hours with your little ankle biters? Really? <clears throat> but they were, uh, they seemed to be uh, well-controlled kids. Because, you know, that, that probably can get pretty boring for kids that age. Oh, yeah. To just have to stand there and watch people play golf. Right. You know. I mean, even for someone like me who's not totally into the game, I'm sure if it were 18 holes, I probably would have gotten bored by about hole 13. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. You And, and it's different because you're following one group around, right, right in right. that scenario. Like today is the Pro-Am uh, for the uh, the RBC Canadian Open. Yeah. Uh, and, and as that gets going at, at, at today's St. George's, like you can go and... You know, you can kind of, when you're watching the actual tournament, or if you go this weekend mm. as they're playing the tournament, you know, you can sit at one hole and the players come by you, right. right? Whereas, you know, that one you're literally walking and following along and trying to get to the green or a good spot at the perch of the, of the dry of the, of the tee box. And, and you're kind of walking around following them, whereas you can kind of just peruse around the golf course when you're watching a tournament and just... You know, it's nice to get uh, that one angle mm. that might show you a green and a and a and a tee box, mm. and you can kind of see how they hit it and and see their approach shots and putts too, right. right? Well, one guy you won't be able to see anytime soon is uh, Dustin Johnson as he's joined us. Is it Live? Is this yeah, the name of this golf. It's the Saudi-backed Live uh, golf events now. So uh, he's you know one of a number of pros that have. Uh, joined this uh you know probably the most high profile name mm-hmm. uh, greg norman's a big part of this tour uh in, in organizing it uh, with dustin johnson being you know a former world number one who's struggled this year on the pga tour but mm-hmm. has now uh resigned from the pga tour in order to go play this reportedly 125 million dollars well, he says he's he been says, offered he says it's best for me and my family yeah 125 million dollars well, guaranteed i can see paulina signing up for that paycheck yeah and maybe that's why he struggled at golf you ever notice when anybody of any high caliber be it music sports when they marry somebody of some high caliber <laughs> their professional <laughs> life falls apart um yeah it's really putting um a stake in the ground between these uh, these two leagues. The PGA is uh, obviously uh, very upset about players bailing on them to go to this thing. There was a, a rumor I heard, and maybe I've got the numbers wrong, but Tiger was offered a billion dollars to join this thing. Yeah, well, I mean, they're just they're floating a lot of numbers around. Right. Whether or not I, I can't imagine that would be the case, right. but nevertheless, that would be you know the most high profile player in the world, mm-hmm. obviously. So uh, to get him would be a massive coup. I, I just, I can't see them throwing a billion dollars out there. Now, it's not like these guys don't make great money. Okay, like you said, DJ's struggling. But he's made over $300 million in his career. Well. Uh, so, uh, with the PGA? And sponsors and stuff like that, too. And so, it'll be interesting to see what happens with sponsorships. Like, he loses, you know, right away, RBC. Right, they one bailed. Of, one of his sponsors. Uh, because, you know, rightfully so, he did it on a week of the RBC Canadian right. Open. He was one of the more high-profile guys. They had to, like, run around the city ripping down posters mm. that they had of him advertising the tour. He was one of the high, the, the key pieces of advertising 
what is the main sponsor of the Canadian PGA event. And I'm sure companies like RBC don't want to be associated with a Saudi Arabia-backed golf tournament. Uh, I mean, there there are fine lines with that. I mean, a lot of there's a lot of companies who do business with Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. whether or not they want that uh, high profile like light shed on it or not is, right. is is different. But you know, politics aside, it it comes down to a choice between playing you know here for an established PGA tour and a new up and coming tour. You know, I think you know a lot of fans just look at it as a money grab. For some players who've been offered that kind of money, they look at it and say, well, why wouldn't I? Right. (laughs) It would be like in the NBA, LeBron signing into some Saudi Arabia basketball league. With Dustin Johnson leaving, right? The caliber, the height, the level of your your sport. uh, Of course, it's going to be shocking to your league. Right. Well, somewhat. And and the, the, the difference being is that, of course, when you play on the PGA Tour, you're not guaranteed any money. Right. Right, you right. are. You have to play, and and it's all prize money. Right. Whereas you know these guys are now getting guaranteed appearance fees mm. uh, to play. Now where you know whether or not you have a, a beef of where that money comes from, you know, listen, I I can only think the average person, you know, if they were uh, on LinkedIn and and a, a, a Saudi Arabian backed company <laughs> was you know offering to hire them and pay them. A massive amount of money. Mm. The average person would probably find a reason, like their family, to uh, to say, "Yeah, good morning, Saudi Arabia." <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, and maybe this starts a discussion for the PGA about having some base salary once you make the league, make the cut. Yeah, I, I maybe, but you know. That being said, once you're once you're into PGA tournaments and you start qualifying for tournaments, mm. you know, last place still pays. You know, sure, it's not 125 million dollars, right? But you know, they, they they pay their guys pretty well. Look, I I didn't I wouldn't have known this Pat Perez guy if I had hit him with my car. I, I don't know that I've ever even seen him golf, but he's made 30 million dollars golfing. So you know, obviously on the PGA Tour, even if your name is way down the list, right, you can still make a good living. You're doing okay. Yeah, you certainly are. Deadpool three is in production. Wow. And yeah, there's been some real concern because it's all uh, done under Disney now. And so, you know, people are afraid that Deadpool is going to become Disney-fied and become like a general admission everybody in. Because if we know anything about Deadpool, like to drop some F-bombs. <laughs> and uh, so the producers of Deadpool 3 uh, have some reassurances for us. Or assurances. The film's writers have said the movie will be rated R and there will be F-bombs. Disney, they say, is going to let Deadpool be Deadpool. It's not like any particular joke may be the one they say, you know, that's too far. That could happen. But to this point, it's been nothing but support. So. Yeah, they they can't really change up that character. Like no. That is the like the defining mm-hmm. point of that character. It's so good. Yeah, it's terrific. Uh, if you haven't seen on Netflix, uh, my next guest needs no introduction with David Letterman. Ryan Reynolds is one of his guests, and it's a terrific interview. And him and Blake Lively seem to live in a very lovely house. Right. Uh, They also added that Marvel has been uh, very open and inviting, even offering any help they may need. They'd say, uh, what what from our universe would you like to use? And uh, they also say Marvel saying this is not going to be a Disney Deadpool. Oh, wow. All right.
You know what? It, it, I, I haven't seen the interview with Ryan Reynolds, but everything I've seen of him, mm-hmm. uh, he seems so like down to earth. He, he might be one of those you add to your list of uh, of dinner guests. Yep. You know, if you could, uh, you could have a table for four. You yep. and three others. Who would you invite? He's he might be a good one. Yeah, you know it's funny. He has such a, a an a wide array of movies from comedy to drama to that very dark one where he was in the coffin the entire time. Remember when he was the truck driver in no. like? Oh, it's it's crazy. This movie I I stumbled upon it one afternoon, and it's a couple hours long I think. And um, he's a truck driver. I think he's got a wife and a young baby back in the states, and he's in I want to say Afghanistan. It's something to do with the military called buried. I think it's buried. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he basically, the whole film, outside of kind of the beginning, is him inside of a coffin or buried underground alive. Yeah. It's crazy. So, anyhow, he's got such a wide variety of movies. And, of course, Letterman, when talking to him about his uh, films, I, I'm desperate for somebody, and if I ever got the chance to talk to him, I'd say, you know what, out of all your movies, and I love most of them, but Just Friends might be my favorite. <laughs> I can't tell you the amount of times we've watched Just Friends. He's so great. The whole cast is very, very funny in it. If you've never seen it, it's uh, it's just terrific. Him and Amy Smart and uh, one of the dudes from American Pie is in it. And the woman, Julie Haggerty, from um, from uh, Airplane, plays okay. his mom. And at the time, he would have been engaged to Alanis Morissette, or they were dating. Oh. And so she shows up in the beginning of All it. All right. Yeah, yeah. So I always wanted to, if I ever had the chance to talk to him, I'd, I'd tell yeah. him, that's my favorite. And he'd say, get out. He'd be a good dinner guest. I think he'd be, he'd, he would he'd be. be on the, good on that list. Yeah, great story about his life, too. Growing up in Vancouver with three older brothers, and his dad was a cop and a real tough guy. And yeah, just a, a great story. Nick Cannon. Just when we thought he was done making babies, because recently... out. Well, recently he had said he was having a vasectomy, yeah, right? Yeah, he had the cannon blocked. Yeah, well, this wasn't uh, back in December... He was giving like it was Christmas time. <laughs> he had missed to sleeping around quite a bit last December. So in a podcast, he responded to the rumors that he's expecting more children this year. And he says the stork is on the way. Hang on. Like not a child. Now, they, I'm, we're hearing like uh, three. Three children. Yeah. On top of it, well, he's got eight or had eight. 75. Right? <laughs> he's got 75 children so far. Wow. Yeah. Crazy, right? Anyhow, that's all done, I guess, because, of course, he did have the uh, the, the, the uh, snip. Right. I met a guy on the weekend has 14 kids. Oh, that's out of his mind. <laughs> How much is he making? About $400 billion a year? <laughs> I know I always hear people who have lots of children that once you get to, like, the fifth, then the oldest start taking care of them, and it actually yes. gets easier. Right. All the hand-me-downs. Right. Except if you had a lot of girls and then one son, they're they're wearing juicy couture <laughs> to school. <laughs> uh, Johnny Depp has joined TikTok, and his first video shows him performing on stage with Jeff Beck in the UK and being greeted by fans. In the caption, he thanks his fans for being there for him and says, uh, quote, and now we will all move forward together. Amber Heard not happy with this, especially the moving forward thing. Her rep issued a statement saying, as Johnny Depp says he's moving forward, 
Women's rights are moving backwards. Oh, okay. Now, here's the thing. Look, the Me Too movement, of course, was needed and, 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 and of course, had to happen because women weren't heard for a very long time. I think we're in a better place now, and I think men are listening more and understanding their role in society. But I also believe that just because one woman says something of one man, you need to hear both sides of that story. You cannot just say... I say he abused me, so now he must disappear. That's not fair either. Yeah, both well, sides must be heard. Well, it, it needs to be, you know, obviously vetted and and uh, and go through a process because I think in in the end, what what you know, parties involved want is the truth, mm-hmm. right? The truth come out and let justice be served. Problem is, is one. In the world of social media, the truth doesn't matter. Right. Right. And, and especially in the world of cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes they can't wait for the truth. So when the, when the news cycle is this minute, mm-hmm. you got to get all the details out there right away and, uh, and, and, and come to a decision right away. Uh, because cancel culture doesn't wait for the truth. It bothers me, though, that her rep is, is spinning it this way. Because what she's basically saying to other women is, well, Amber... Amber wasn't heard, and so that means you're not going to be heard either. You know, and that that's wrong. Amber's c- case is one case out of right. God knows how many. Well, it depends on how you, if it's interpreted that way, if that's what it's meant, or meant that others need to to speak their mm-hmm. truth as well, mm-hmm. right? Because you know, as we've learned, you know, so many times over and over in so many different industries, is that you know. A lot of times you can be silenced very quickly or feel intimidated to be silenced. Uh, And you need one person to come forward and tell their story. And all of a sudden others feel more vindicated by Mm -hmm. that or at least encouraged by that to say, hey, no, I've had an experience Mm -hmm. too. And uh, and you're not alone in this. I think, though, what this rep's also trying to say is, well, Amber, if she wasn't heard, she wants women to now think, well, if Amber wasn't heard, I'm not going to be heard. She wants to kind of spin it back to the way it once was. Here's a lesson I've learned in life in dealing with women and speaking your truth. I don't speak anything until I'm told I am allowed to speak. <laughs> and I know I'm safe. A list was compiled of rock music-related Guinness World Records. Things like the shortest music concert. It was The Who in 2007 in Tampa. Lasted only 13 seconds because Roger Daltrey realized he couldn't sing due to an illness. Oh, oh, man. Go ahead. Well, it just made me think of last night. A lot of upset people in Toronto. Young people Mm -hmm. with Justin Bieber. Two shows. Two shows canceled. I said uh, his doctors advised him an an ongoing illness. uh, He thought he would have recovered by now, but hasn't. So he's got the vid? Is this what they're saying? I, I don't know. I'm not, like, you know, they, they haven't said anything. There's rumors, of course, spilling around. But uh, what's more important, I guess, is if you knew you had, like, an ongoing illness, they waited until, like, 20 minutes before the concert, right. like a couple hours, basically, before they canceled it. And before they just tweeted, he tweeted out a message and they canceled the show. But there are people who have, like, traveled, mm-hmm. booked hotels, Downtown expenses paid, and uh, and now the show's canceled. It's been a few of those. Um, my uh, my son's uh, girlfriend was going to see some country artist. I can't remember who at Scotiabank Arena. Oh, the Casey Musgraves yeah, thing. Yeah, the same thing. She did like Got very bailed. last minute as well. They were on the train heading downtown. Yeah. 
Most encores ever at a music concert was The Cure in 04 and 05. They returned to the stage five times at the end of three of their concerts during that time. Wow. That's like Springsteen-esque. Five times? Stop leaving, then. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep coming back out. And do they have enough songs for that, The Cure? I mean, they were, they were around big, a lot. Pretty big library, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, Friday, Friday I'm, in, I'm love. in Love Again. It was probably their biggest hit, but they had a, they had a bunch of... Uh, they were like very much an alt-rock band, <laughs> right, in the 80s. So a lot of their stuff wasn't top 40, but... I mean, as if their fans weren't depressed enough just being <laughs> going through the show. <laughs> Maybe that's why they kept coming. Oh, we can't leave them depressed. <laughs> Be like sitting through, <laughs> sitting through five encores of Coldplay. I listen. They had Springsteen come out with I them know. this week, and he shouldn't have. Did you hear the audio? It did not sound good. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know what? The first song was uh, man. The second one was pretty good though. Yeah, I guess they were they in did Jersey. A, like a slower version of Dancing in the Dark. Yeah, as a Coldplay. Yeah, you were playing in New Jersey. All right. Can Coldplay not speed anything up? Everything's got to be slow. <laughs> First music video to be banned by MTV was Queen's Body Language in 1982. It was, quote, homoerotic undertones and excessive skin right. that got this thing pulled. Longest music video was 21 Pilots' Level of Concern. It ended up being 117 days, 16 hours, 10 minutes, and 25 seconds long. It was a live stream on YouTube using video submissions from fans. 117 days? days? Yes, that's that's a lot of bandwidth <laughs> on your YouTube. <laughs> that's right. Um, most music tracks released within one week. Your boys, Pearl Jam. In May of 2021, they released 5,404 live tracks uh, from bootlegs. 14 years worth of shows. Right. Yeah. Uh, largest electric guitar in the world was modeled after a 1967 Gibson Flying V. It's 43 feet long, 7.5 inches tall, and a little over 16 feet wide, and it is playable. Uh, tough to play, though. Got a big fingers. Right. Basketball size hands. First band to destroy instruments on stage, once again, The Who. In 64, Pete Townsend destroyed his guitar after accidentally breaking the neck of it on a low ceiling. Okay. Yeah. And Queen's on the list again uh, with Bohemian Rhapsody for highest grossing music biopic in the world. Right. Well, that might get beat by this uh, Elvis. This Elvis one is going to give it a run. Yeah, no, for sure. And largest marathon playing drums, 113 hours and three minutes, which is over five days long, was accomplished by a man named Carlos Santos in Portugal. Huh. He would have had the... Maybe sore hands after that. Yeah, you would think, right? You would think. A couple of calluses. Because our buddy, uh, Jeff Burroughs from the Tea Party, once a year he does a 24-hour drum marathon. It's oh, really? charities. And I know that how wiped and exhausted he is at the end of that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You're just crazy. 133 hours. Wait, we will rock you again. <laughs> Here's one of those uh, things that we all have in common. Almost all of us have tried to lose weight at least once in our life. Right, yep. Most of us have tried at least one weight loss strategy. One in four say they've tried more than 15 different diets or exercise plans. A quarter of people who have lost weight successfully kept it off. Just a quarter. More mm. than half say eventually they gain it back and had to try again. Or they just said, screw it and pass the chip. <laughs> people said they've given up on losing weight because it's too hard or too much of a sacrifice. And look... I'm no dietitian. What the hell do I know? And there's a lot of different, everybody's got a different story and there's health issues as to why you gain weight sometimes and can't get rid of it. 
But if you're a normal, healthy human being, I, I think the, the most basic goal is less calories in. Right. Like if we're supposed to have 2,500 a day, if you can keep it under that, at the very least, you'll maintain your weight and probably lose some along the way. And simple things like drink lots of water. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't, the problem with fad diets and all of this stuff is, it, it really, sure, all of a sudden you can drop 15 in a, in a few weeks or something. Right. And you go, but of course you're going to gain that back because you can't keep that lifestyle up. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, you know what, when I did the you know, the road to 100, part of it was not just working out, but eating, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when talking with, you know, the guys who formulated the whole thing, uh, the, the, the idea of doing 100 days of it, mm. it's because at that point, you're breaking a habit, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, you know, that that's you're creating a new habit, at least. 100 days is habit forming, mm. whereas... You know, you sign up as a as a New Year's resolution mm-hmm. and start for a week or two weeks. You're not going to break a habit, and that's why most resolutions for weight loss and things and quitting smoking mm. and 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 habit changes, lifestyle changes we want to make end within three weeks. You know, I always think of your hundred day um, hike or uh, was a hundred day hike? Is it no, it was a hundred hole hike. This was, yeah, hundred day yeah, challenge. Road to one hundred. Yeah, road to one hundred. A lot of hundreds in your life. Yeah. Hopefully you reach a hundred. Yeah. Um, nah. <laughs> but uh, again, with that, although, you know, put together by real experts in the field and they know what they're doing. Again, it's not a lifestyle anybody could stay with on a regular basis. I mean, if you don't drink, you don't drink. But right. even the, the, the food, the way you were eating, the exercise constantly, you couldn't live like that all the time. Some <laughs> do, of some, course. Some do. But and, very few. Uh, yeah, and, and some, you know, like Doug Elliott still goes to, to, to ETS. Yeah. He did it and still, still but goes. But he doesn't live like that. He doesn't live that lifestyle like to that extreme. No. But, you know, okay, you're going to add in a few vices here or there, but if you keep some of the good habits. Right, of course. Right. Of course. The problem is when you fall off mm. <laughs> that bike sometimes, you fall right off. Oh, yeah. You know, like, well, look at me now. I always love how all of you fell right off the bike and over a cliff as soon as the 100 days were oh, done. Oh, yeah. Right into a bucket of wings and beer. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in Quebec and uh, your buddy that usually covers you when you go for a pee break on the line isn't standing beside you today... <laughs> You got to wonder. He's probably got $70 million in his pocket. People were asked, because of the $70 million win in Quebec, if you uh, won a ton of dough, would you try to keep it a secret? And almost all people say that they play the lottery, at least occasionally, like when the jackpot soars to record highs. But what would you do if you won the whole thing? And most claim they would try their best for as long as they could to keep it a secret. Yeah, I, I think you need to right off the bat... Like if you just start jumping around and running around saying, "Hey, I got seventy million, you're likely going to run into some issues oh, at yeah. some point where you're going to have a lot of people. You're going to raise a lot of attention and have a lot of people grabbing at it, and you're going to start throwing it around. Uh, and listen, it's very tough to go through seventy million that quickly, but, but you can. When you got a lot of people grabbing at it. Yeah, you're going to lose track of some of it. No, for sure. And, and you know, you'll get the moochers coming along. You'll get the uh, the woman you dated in university showing up with your 22-year-old son. Uh, anyhow, yeah, it's uh, it certainly would be something you'd have to, you know, keep it as quiet as you can and go to an accountant and, and go to a financial advisor and seek a lawyer and do all of that before you even tell. I mean, you tell immediate family, of course, but 
before Maybe. you start sharing it with brothers and sisters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it would be uh, an interesting thing. Now, people were asked, um, along with, would you keep it a secret, but would you quit your job? And how much money would it take for you to bail on, on work? And when I thought about it, the first thing that came to mind was, well, it's an age thing, really, because if you're 65 and you hit a nice chunk of change... You, you know, yeah, you can call it a career. You probably were planning on calling it a career and sometime soon anyhow. Right. Um, but if you're 23, 24 and you hit it, you still got a long life to live and you need more than, you know, a million bucks probably. Right. So uh, half of people say they need $4 million or more to, to quit. Okay. $4 million is a lot of money. It is. It's a big chunk. And especially, you know, with, with the average salaries of you know, less than fifty grand. Mm-hmm. Right. The average being... You know, you think a million dollars is like 20 years of pay. Right, right. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's, that's not bad. Yeah. I mean, some people are, are really excited about getting just a, a, a small chunk of a raise. But when you see, you know, prices and how things go up, and if you haven't, it depends on the, your family's mm-hmm. ages as well. If you've got to put aside some for education or, or whatnot, pay off already outstanding debts. Mm-hmm. And you can realize that first million can be gone very quickly. Well, and again, it's it's the, the family members. I mean, if you are in your 20s or 30s, even 40s, and you win $4 million, yeah, as much as you maybe want to pay off your parents' house if they're still carrying a mortgage or you want to, yeah, you can eat through that $4 million, Yeah, uh, pretty fast. Now, $4 million, also you have to remember that even if you ate two of it, helping, doing Two million uh, invested well still is a nice return, right? I don't know. I think I I really think at that kind of money, I think I'd have to be. Although I, you know, I'm, yeah, I think it has to be more than four. I just feel like I still hopefully got a lot of life to live. Like if I had another forty years to go or something, right? That's a lot of life to live. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. I always said if I won the big one, like, like I, would, I would go to my immediate family members and just say, "All right, write down what you want, mm. right, and what it is that you you would like uh, taken care of, and and then we'll go through that process, right? Because for some, it might just be, hey, we need a vacation, mm. right, and others might be, I, I really need a car, mm. <laughs> and some might be, I need to pay off the mortgage, and, and you know, but at least if you ask. Right, you know, rather than, or you just hand out chunks. Everyone right. gets this this same amount, right? I've always had this dream and this idea that if I won huge dough, I wouldn't necessarily give any family member a bunch of it, but I'd rather start up some business, and every year they would get paid right. a set amount. Yeah. And I, someone told me, I wasn't smart enough to dream it up. Somebody told me, because then there's a bunch of tax implications. You own a business, you yes, write things yeah. off, all of these things. And then... You don't have like your nephew who you just gave 500 grand to coming back to you a year later and saying, can I have more? Right. You can say to him, there's going to be $100,000 that goes into your bank account every January 1st. Yeah. You know, don't come to me looking for another dime. <laughs> and, and on a lot of money, like $70 million, you could probably pay all those people and not touch the principal. Right, yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, I think a buddy of mine said that. You basically, you would... 
you know, hire his friends to be his friends. Yeah. <laughs> at that point. Right, right. right. I got to go hang around with Joe again. <laughs> right. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Apparently, we're going hella skiing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, hon. How much would this you, is what pays the bills. How much would he dangle that, though, every time he called you and said, <laughs> I want to go do something tonight. And you're like, well, I'm kind of, the kids are sick. And I'm, um, didn't I give you $250,000 yeah, a year? You're on the payroll. Yeah. Now, with this kind of dough, most claim they'd give away some of their winnings. And you think you should probably give some to charity. Again, there would be tax implications yeah. to that too, right? Most people say they'd share with family, a significant other, people in need. Half would give some to friends. But very few, <laughs> very few would share with a co-worker. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky, 70 million. What am I getting? What am I getting? Hit the button. <laughs> Rock Mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.